This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only two-time PWG Battle of Los Angeles champion, King Ricochet, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 70. I'm Nick Howell. And currently over here earning five and a half stars from Dave Meltzer, I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And well welcome. deserved. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yes, I wrestled a hell of a match. Yeah, I welcome back to the show, everybody. We, uh, we had a very interesting week in WWE coming off of what I'm going to have to call one of the worst WrestleMania hangovers of all time, uh, thanks to the greatest Royal Rumble and then uh, kind of a botched backlash. Yeah. Uh, it was, it's, been a, it's been a tough month. We, we're used to things being a little squirrely after WrestleMania, but it's been particularly squirrely this year with the, the superstar shakeup not really getting to settle yet and and this week we had the fallout from backlash shows fallout from the whole month yeah. really this was just a long ass month it really was <laughs> especially like, for I'm, us I'm, having to cover all this there's wrestlemania hangover and then there's whatever the hell the last month has been because oh my god it's like my mind is goo trying to think about all of the like goo goo lack uh, like trying to think about all the things that have happened just in the last month. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty intense, but and unfortunately, a lot of it has not been that consequential, or it's oh. been it's fallen a little flat. And there there have been some bright spots and some some high points, but we which we'll talk about. But uh, it's still I, I don't feel like they've found their footing yet. Uh, on the upside, we have begun the build to Money in the Bank, which is classically one of the better pay per views of the year, one of the non Big Four pay per views of the year and it is of, my favorite pay-per-view of the year i and as a ladder match fan myself i always enjoy it as well uh we can already begin speculation as to how it's going to turn out so that's going to be fun to do yeah uh and wwe definitely i i kind of felt that raw was a little bit uh a little down this week uh the the ratings certainly showed that the ratings were i mean the worst they've had for raw in two years oh wow week. really yeah it was a, it was a very much a backlash to the uh, the last few weeks of uh, of programming, um, but that being said, I thought SmackDown was very strong. So it, there's a lot to talk about this week, uh, a bunch of interesting stuff. Uh, we also we have to talk about a bunch of other things as well. Obviously, 205 Live, NXT, which we usually cover, uh, Ring of Honor. 
And uh, New Japan just had their wrestling Dontaku, which blew me away. It was fan-freaking-tastic. We have to talk about that preview Battle of Super Juniors and Dominion. That's going to be at the back end of the show, but definitely stick around for that. Uh, And don't forget to go to our Facebook discussion group. It's a great place to talk to other wrestling fans and fans of the show about all things sports entertainment and professional wrestling, post some memes, have discussions. Uh, We are going to start having that be the front line for this show in terms of audience interaction. We definitely want to be interacting more with the fans of the show, with fans of professional wrestling, and that's going to be a place where you can ask us questions and interact with us, and we'll talk about them on the show, give you a shout-out, etc. So go check us out over on Facebook. Yes, also on Twitter, you can find us at BWO Podcast. And hey, if you like what we're doing here on the show, head over to patreon.com slash BWO and throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar for us. Let us know you like what we're doing. But Ian, let's kick it into gear. Let's get right over to it and talk about Monday Night Raw. Well, as I said just a few moments ago, Money in the Bank is my favorite pay-per-view of the year, and we've got a good four to six weeks to really uh, properly build this pay-per-view. It's kind of the middle of the year checkpoint of sorts. Uh, it's the one we get to before we go into SummerSlam, uh, big SummerSlam season, which is a really good time. So ladder matches galore. We're going to see a lot of those. And it's the time where we establish who's going to be the new Money in the Bank contract holders for both the men and the women now uh, going on throughout the year. And the interesting part of this, off the back of Backlash being the first of many co-branded pay-per-views, is we're going to see the crossover of, of both of these. So it, it's also up to speculation of what what brand the Money in the Bank briefcases are going to land on for both men and women. Yeah, for better or for worse in terms of the cross-branding. I kind of liked it better to have Money in the Bank be just for one brand, but uh, it is going to add an, uh, an added element of excitement to have it possible that they could go to either brand, and yeah. it will actually uh, increase our speculation based on you know, last year, the fact it went to SmackDown, it was a SmackDown exclusive brand and Baron Corbin won it. So is it going to go to Raw this year? Uh, just, you know, are they going to write it to Raw this year so that they have that over on Raw as opposed to having it on SmackDown? Who knows? Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to look at that going forward. Another thing that I like about the way that they're doing is, is it means that there's a lot of uh, grist for the TV show writers. We can basically spend a lot of time on the TV shows with matches that have a purpose and have stakes because we're going to be doing uh, you know, qualifying matches for the Money in the Bank match itself, which has seven slots each for the men's and the women's. So as we saw this week, we had a lot of matches where you have immediate stakes because it's for the opportunity to be in the Money in the Bank match. And we started off this Raw with uh, a bit with Kurt Angle announcing this and then setting up a match between Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens as the first qualifying match. Uh, One nitpick, I don't know who the heck wrote Strowman's speech here when he came out and basically was trying to say, uh, I don't like being left out of the club. I tend to get angry when that's the case, when people are having their little thing over here. So, you know, get me involved in this whole Money in the Bank thing. But it ended up being this strange story about his childhood where, Kids would form a club and it didn't bother Strowman because as he would just wait till they were all up in their treehouse and then he would knock over the whole tree, which uh, in theory sounds like a fun story, but man, it would, did not come out. Aren't they doing well. this whole anti-bullying angle over on the women's division as well? And then you've got Braun Strowman coming out and saying he's doing that to the <laughs> nerds in their treehouse. <laughs> nerds? Uh, Who said they were Nerds! nerds. Who said they were nerds? They, they, they were just kids that excluded Braun Strowman, which you just apparently 
don't do unless you want him to upend the oak tree in your backyard. But uh, th- yeah, I thought that was bizarre. And the audience was kind of, they were kind of like, yay, I guess. I, I don't know. It didn't, whatever. It's Braun Strowman. It, it kind of worked, but it, it reeked a little bit of the overwritten stuff that they give to some baby faces suffering succotash anybody yep. <laughs> uh, it, it it reeked a little bit of that i just I, I rolled my eyes i'm like please don't don't do that to braun man a few words come out say what you mean don't tell a story just go for it i'm not finished with you get these hands power slam done re- repeat we're yeah. out yeah no need don't get fancy uh <laughs> in fact i had an issue with this whole show some of the, the the promo writing on this whole show was really questionable if i may digress for a moment before well, we get into this match one second before you do uh we he, kurt angle did come out to set up a triple threat match it was interrupted by braun Strowman, which we'll talk about later he set up a match with finn balor roman reigns and Sami Zayn. And Braun Strowman couldn't stand not being named in that, so that's what kind of kicked this whole thing off, right? Right, but my, my issue was more with how he reacted to it verbally. Yeah. And the same thing with, you know, Ember Moon had a match tonight, and afterwards she had a backstage promo that just, you know, I don't consider Ember the, the greatest promo in the world, but man, they, they hamstrung her with some of the stuff that was she was very obviously had been given to say. And we also, I got to talk about this now, this Bobby Lashley promo. The, the, oh, the, boy. The, let's interview Bobby Lashley. Let's, let's get to know Bobby Lashley. Look, on one hand, I'm glad we're getting to know Bobby Lashley a little bit because up, up until this point, he's been nothing. He's just been, no, here's Bobby Lashley, and we have no idea what his motivations are or who he is now that he's back. This segment, I don't think, was the way to do it because it was him, you know, Renee talking to him and the sit-down interview, he's all dressed up nice. And she says, you know, who is Bobby Lashley? And he tells us these stories about basically getting beat up by his sisters when he was a young <laughs> kid, tied to trees and left in the woods. And one of his sisters hit him in the face and, and left a scar that he still has today. And then at the end of it, he turns to the camera and kind of very creepily dead eyed goes, I love you, sisters, or I love, I love my family. Hi, guys. And it just between Bobby Lashley not really having any kind of like real life in this segment uh, and just the awkwardness of the stories. Yeah. It, it did not hit its mark by a long shot and made Bobby Lashley come across more as like a, a, a creepy guy than like a sweet face that you want to follow. At least in my opinion, like I can see how some people might just be like, Oh, that's so sweet. That's not what I got. No, I, I got this. This guy has a trouble, you know, being human. <laughs> well, this was right off the back of an amazing video package they put together, kind of detailing his his rise yeah. from from his childhood age of childhood days of, of wrestling all the way up through the army and wrestling for the army. Came across looking like the legit badass that oh he is. Oh my god! I mean, put him up there with you know maybe not Olympic champion, but I mean, kind of up there as legit actual wrestler wrestling athletes. Man, I, I was really into this. I liked it, and then we cut to the interview with Renee, and I went. Wow! What was yeah? What just happened? Yeah, and that, that, there's another. There's plenty of other ways they could have done this. Had it not be all about just the you know getting beaten up by his sisters when he was young, which <laughs> yeah. I don't felt. I didn't feel like it paid off in the way that they thought it was going to. Like I was like, this too much time spent on the the struggle that he had with his sisters, and not enough like why he loves them or why they like how that helped make him grow. As yeah. a, I don't know, it didn't work for me. Uh, but enough kvetching about the writing of the show. Let's get back to the action on the show. Kevin Owens versus Sammy uh, versus Sammy. Kevin's that, that might be coming. Yes. Kevin Owens versus Braun Strowman kind of went down how you thought it would. Although Kevin did get a lot more offense in than I thought he would. Uh, and, but ultimately succumbed to Braun Strowman, as you would expect. 
but in the meantime, is Braun Strowman running around the ring and crashing into Kevin Owens and him selling it like death? Is that ever going to get old? No, because I for like for some reason at Backlash, I was like, oh, here we go again. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, he's going to run him over. But man, on Raw, it really entertained the hell out of me. Like Kevin Owens is selling it so beautifully with, with just throwing his body in the air when he gets hit. I'm back into it. Like it's it's funny as hell to me. It's yeah. really really fun. When he goes up onto his shoulder, legs up in the air onto the onto the barricade and you just see him just ragdolling everywhere. Yeah. I, I, Kevin Owens is what makes it good and why exactly. I say no it'll never get old. The minute he does it to somebody else that doesn't sell it as well uh, as Kevin Owens, it's going to be like, "Meh." So, I don't know. Well, I I'm fine with it for now. I want to see more of the I think Michael Cole calls it the bear paw. The bear. He, he just he, he paws at him and it just it, it's like you're getting hit with a tree. Yeah. You know, and, I like that. But it's all as you said, all about the selling. Kevin Owens, a uh, fantastic wrestler, fantastic seller, and it's probably probably why this spot has been mostly used on Kevin Owens is because of just yeah. how beautiful it looks, but as we said, Braun I almost Strowman, like that it is a running trope on Kevin Owens, and that's the only time that he does it. I think that would be funny if he just kept doing it only on him. I I agree, and that's that actually is one thing going forward. I hope they continue to do it's yeah. only to Kevin Owens. Yeah. <laughs> but Braun does advance to Money in the Bank. We have our first qualifier. Yes. What do you now? Can you see Braun Strowman with the briefcase? I think it would be uh, entertaining. But I don't think it would be logical because who's going to stop him from cashing in? Well, not only well, not only that. But the idea of Money in the Bank is an underdog that wouldn't have normally gotten a chance gets a chance to do this once in a lifetime thing when the the champion is down and out. Now, now you're more on what I'm what I'm thinking yeah. of is Braun at any point could say I want a title match and you know whatever whatever they say. Okay, you have to beat this guy, beat this guy. He can get it. Uh, the way they've built him. I expect right? the belt on to be on him at some point within the next year. Yeah. Between I, now and WrestleMania. I probably. see the Money in the Bank being someone that's not that high of a Agreed. tier. Like, it's a great season right now for upper mid-card guys, yep. but it's got to be someone who's just below that upper mid-card status so that, you know, when they do win, it's not only surprising, but it's elevating to them. So I really don't see Braun winning this all, but he's going to be a nice addition to the match for many obvious reasons. Uh, we also had a triple threat this evening for the, uh, for the first uh, woman involved to be involved in the Money in the Bank match between Ruby Riot, Ember Moon, and Sasha Banks. Uh, I thought this was a fantastic match. I did too. I really I was, enjoyed it more than I expected I would. I was very impressed by everyone who worked very well in this match, very smooth for the most part. Uh, you know, Ruby, I think, is wildly underrated. I, I would love it if they got her away from the Riot Squad and just had her go. If you want to keep her heel, fine. She can do it on her own. There, she's just now getting the push that I thought she was going to get and why she was my pick at the Women's Royal Rumble to, to win that way earlier in the year. But she's it's finally getting to a point where they're giving her this singles time, and I think it's showing through. We've been high on her in NXT for a long, pretty much since we've been doing this show. Yeah. So it's it's very exciting to see her getting a sh- getting a shine here. Yeah, she's a, she's a very smart wrestler. I think. Yes. You know, she's she's definitely she gets she gets it. But uh, we had some miscommunication at the end. Uh, Bailey comes out because Sasha gets beaten down by the Riot Squad. There is a little bit of miscommunication. Sasha ends up not being able to pull it out. Gets distracted. Ember ends up hitting the Eclipse on both Ruby and Sasha at the same time. Pins Ruby, which I think is strong to keep Sasha looking a, a, a good idea to keep Sasha looking strong. Right. Uh, so Ember's going to Money in the Bank, which is I think a great place to put her. They're obviously they're they're going to be pushing Ember pretty hard, which is smart uh, because obviously she can wrestle her face off. 
But uh, it also, it keeps us circulating on this Bailey Sasha thing, which again, they've got to, they've got to get going with this. This has to go. Like, you can't keep teasing something between these two. Yep. It's got to go at some point. I agree. And, and it's still in a holding pattern. Like you can't keep doing this guys <laughs> well hey let's go over and talk about the men's triple threat that i mentioned earlier which was finn balor roman reigns and Sami Zayn. also a really good match wow wow, Fantastic. wow, wow. yeah this was really good like and- as, as much as we're always down on roman it's these kinds of matches where and granted he still is being shown he's being portrayed in these matches as being the strongest guy the the most you know the, the one that's getting the, the most central attention. Like he's, he's the main attraction of this match, but they did a great job of showing Finn as a face and Sammy as a heel teaming up to put him down because he was the big threat. Right. And it was very entertaining how they did that with going out in the audience and uh, the Huluva kick over the barricade and then a, a coup de grace off the barricade it was like a two Roman. story coup de gras. It was beautiful. <laughs> and it was, and the whole match was nice and hard hitting and fast and fun. And then you had uh, Sammy and Finn in the ring, in the ring together, uh, putting on a great show. So no, it was, I liked the way this was booked. I thought this was definitely a step forward. And I particularly liked the finish because uh, Jinder Mahal had expressed earlier in the show that he wanted to be, he wanted to be in this match and make it a four way. And Kurt, who doesn't like uh, Mahal's diva ways right. on Monday Night Raw, which, by the way, I love Jinder's new diva persona. <laughs> it's it's great. We're not. It's not. There's no race baiting here. It's right. nothing to do with him being Indian Evil or not foreigner stuff. Yeah. No, it's just he's an asshole. Yeah. And he's so good at just that. And he's he's. I I love how he's biting into this part. Uh, I'm going to look at the date here. Today is May 10th. It's been right at a year since Gender won the championship where we were lauding this just just constantly for about three straight months, if not longer. And here we are with Sir Ian Dangerous saying that he loves Gender Mahal. Wow. I am liking what a year will do. Hey, I have always said that I have a soft spot for Gender Mahal and I keep hoping he gets better and I, I, I would like good things to happen to him. What's impressing me is that he seems to be relaxing more. Like he was so nervous for the first little bit and obviously very stiff. He's relaxing a lot. He's starting to be given things that he can work with better that are more in his wheelhouse. Uh, He's more confident in his heel work. And he's being, again, he's been given, given better product to work with. And here where he has a rematch against Chad Gable, which he wins clean without any assistance, no gender finish. He beats Chad Gable clean, gets his win, win back from last week. And then comes back to say, see, I'm not a loser. I should be in this match. And Kurt still says no. Well, then Jinder comes out at the, e- at the end of this match, the triple threat match, interferes, gets in the way of Roman Reigns, costs him the match. Finn Balor pins Sami Zayn, and Finn Balor's going to Money in the Bank, another great addition, and one I could, the first one I could see winning. Um, but at the same time, now that means we're going to, looks like we're going to have a gender and Roman program. It's actually being reported that that's what they're planning is a gender Roman program. And there's a lots of aspects of that, that I've been digesting and thinking about partially because I'm starting to, you know, feel a little bit better about gender, gender and their presentation of him, but also because the reactions that Roman's getting, obviously here we go again, they're trying to put him against the guy that gets the most consistent booze in order to get Roman some modicum of cheers. Yep. But we've seen Jinder get cheered against Roman already. This Two is, weeks ago, I think, wasn't it? Here we go. Yeah. Another Roman experiment. Can we get him cheered against this guy who everybody hates? 
So, what's the what's the what's the bet that um, gender goes and gets the universal championship off of Brock before Roman Reigns? There's zero chance. <laughs> gender is not the man that's beating. If Brock you had Lesnar. asked me if there was any chance that Jinder Mahal could have gotten the WWE championship a year ago, I would have said no chance in hell. Well, th- and yes, look what we but, got. But that being said, you know I like this better than having the title on him. He's getting these main event matches against Roman Reigns. Okay, fine. Vince is still happy because his boy Jinder is still getting the big shine. But he's also now you know continuing his experiment with Roman. By taking Jinder's, probably Jinder's uh, greatest asset, which is his ability to be hated, yeah, and use that to try and get Roman over. I mean, I personally, if I was a betting man, I would say it ain't going to get Roman over. But no. it, you know what? I'm not. I, I'm interested to see where this goes. Probably it could because be some it good could, things for Jinder. Well, if I'll say that it could be some good things for Jinder. It could mean uh, it could mean some awful dueling promos. This could oh. be an absolute shit show, or it actually could be entertaining. I'm looking forward to it. Um, another thing that we noticed throughout the running of the show before we move on, uh, Sammy and Kevin Owens, once again, not on the same page. They weren't on the same page at Backlash. On this show, they were not on the same page. Uh, they almost went to a Sammy and Kevin feud back on SmackDown earlier this year. Maybe they were just delaying it and we're going into it now. Uh, to me, this is uh, it's not quite it's not quite baked yet. This needs... Oh, no. I yeah, don't, we got I don't a long know. way to go. Yeah. I don't know if this is time to be pulling the trigger on Maybe these two. Maybe SummerSlam at the earliest. I mean, but who's going to be the heel? Who's going to be the face? You know uh, what I mean? Like, I don't know if this is... I don't know. Just, I mean, if you want to break up their friendship, have them go separate ways, fine. But let's not have a long feud. Face Kevin Owens doesn't work ever. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's got to be Sammy's. And Sammy has... But Sammy's buried his face character. Like, you know. can't turn him face this soon. Yeah, I don't know. anywhere. Maybe flipping it now will get it over at where it wasn't before. Well, speaking of being over and being faces, uh, Seth Rollins is probably the most over guy on Raw right now. He's been getting ovation after ovation for a while now. Like, there was a while where he wasn't hitting as a face, probably because they delayed his face turn a little bit too long, about two months too long, back when he came back from injury. But uh, it finally, it seems like it's settling in. It's clicking. Uh, you know, it's funny. It almost coincided with the return of the curb stomp that that he it's just the stomp people, now it's sorry yeah, you can't say curb stomp oh right right sorry yeah sorry i think it's there's uh, some name that Corey graves has for it i probably know what it was if michael cole ever called it but yeah. i can't seem to recall what they're called the blackout that's what it is oh okay they're calling it the blackout i don't, I don't sometimes mind that. i like that sometimes calling it the and sometimes it's the revolution knee and sometimes it's just the knee <laughs> i don't know if he could ever actually hit that knee well, I would I would care more. Well, he comes out and issues. I don't remember this from any time before. We got a big run with the U.S. title getting open challenges like this, but for Seth Rollins to come out and give an open issue an open challenge for the Intercontinental Title, this is a big deal. Well, and because uh, arguably with Brock hoarding the Universal Championship, that's it's, it's, your it's been elevated to the most important title on Raw right yeah, now. Th- thanks to the Miz yeah. uh, elevating it and Brock Lesnar not being on TV and not being there with the belt. Yeah, the Intercontinental Belt is now the most important belt on regular WWE TV, uh, at least on Raw. On Raw, yeah. Uh, although I still say that they're giving short shrift to the WWE Championship over on SmackDown. You know, not having it be the main event for a pay per view for right. one thing. Right. But thanks, uh, Roman. Well. Thanks, Vince. I mean, uh, you know, Miz came out this week on, uh, I think, the Sports Illustrated interview, and he said he thinks that the WWE Championship should always go last on a pay-per-view. 100% agree. No matter what. 100% agree. Even if it throws the rest of your card off, figure it out. If that match isn't the most important match on your show, then what are you doing wrong? 
You know what I mean? Uh, and, and you watch other wrestling promotions. That match is always last. Your championship match goes last, period. So I agree with Miz on that. I love how he actually even turned it into an angle where he said, well, when I'm the champ, it'll always be last. And nice. he's, I'm going for that championship to make it relevant the way I made the Intercontinental title relevant. Miz, I love you, dude. Yes. Thank you for that. But uh, yeah, we had Seth coming out issuing the open challenge. I love these open challenges. Uh, John Cena showed us that it's a great way to get new guys over and to give your existing guys respect. Uh, and this week we had a match. Mojo Raleigh came out, which the audience initially was like, oh, man, it's it, they're in. Uh, they were in Jersey, I believe. Right. I think so. Yeah. And uh, and Zack Ryder was backstage. Mojo comes out. The entire cha- the entire audience starts chanting for Zack Ryder, which uh, here's the thing. One, I believe Zack Ryder is still injured. From, oh, you do from his match with uh, Mike ben- uh, Canellis. Okay, and so I believe he's still injured, which is why they showed it's him on TV now, to get it? it to get the pop. No, this was recent. Oh, okay. uh, he he it was a leg injury, I believe. Okay. I have to look that up, but uh, I believe he's still injured, which is why they had him backstage for a second just to show he was there. But then Mojo coming out immediately gets Mojo heat because. He's the guy that you know beat down Zack Ryder, and he's got heat with Zack Ryder. So immediately, he's going to have heat with this crowd. And sure enough, them chanting, we want Ryder, is not them crapping on Mojo. It is, but in the way that you want. You want it to you be want, done, yes. You want that kind of heat. Like, you know, this is, they, immediately, they don't like him because of the relationship with Zack Ryder. And he called it out in the mic, too. But I, tell me what you thought about this match, Seth and Mojo. I, I enjoyed this 10 times more than I thought I would. And it's, it becomes a question of, I think I said last week, something about that Seth Rollins. It's hard for Seth Rollins to work a bad match these days. It, he is just, he's doing something akin to what AJ Styles does. Like, no matter what, who you put in the ring with him, he's going to elevate that superstar to having that whole match be really, really good. So I, I really enjoyed this match. Some great spots in here. Uh, it was kind of prototypical of what you see Seth Rollins do with his arsenal of movesets that he has, uh, moves that he has in his moveset. So it's I enjoyed it fully. And, you know, of course, Rollins goes over here. Of course, it's going to stay on Rollins. Yeah, no, I don't expect him to lose it in this open challenge. Good showing by Mojo. Good showing by Mojo. I, I Again, we used to say on SmackDown, like Mojo is surprising with how... He's very clean in the ring. He doesn't have a ton of moves, yeah. but he works a match very well, and he's got, uh, he's got good in, in-ring presence. Um, I think this open challenge going forward is a great idea because it's going to have all of these... Because personally, I, this is my opinion, is that the Raw mid-card was devastated by the superstar shake The shake-up, I, yeah. I, I mean, we're going to get into some more of the mid-card here in a second, uh, but there's a lot of guys, including, I would argue, the whole tag division, that are just adrift. Yeah, just right lost. Now. Yeah, lost. And so Seth having this open challenge will give some shine to some of those guys. I wouldn't even mind if he had an NXT call up like they did with John Cena's run. Um, either, I think this is a good idea, along with the Money in the Bank qualifiers, to get some more people some time and exposure in ways that aren't going to just fall flat because there's going to be stakes. There's going to be something to it. Uh, for example, going into some of the other stuff that happened on the show. We had uh, Baron Corbin, Captain Midcard himself, teaming up with the Revival against Titus Worldwide and No Way Jose. Well, we who, saw this coming. Uh, well, and uh, Corbin. You said a, you. I don't want to hear you. You said you would like this if he teamed up with Titus Worldwide. I I like it in theory, but at the <laughs> same. Same. I just still feel bad for No Way Jose. I like, yeah. I, if well, he, I said that was going to be the end of his career if they do that. <laughs> 
And you said of, it was already over. The end of his career is getting saddled with the Adam Rose gimmick. <laughs> That's the end. Like when they call him up and he's doing the straight up Adam Rose thing, leading out a whole bunch of random people in a conga line. That's when I was like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. Yep. At least with Titus Worldwide, they're both getting a little bit of kind of that fun shine on each other. And I'm entertained by it, but it's going to have a very short shelf life. His gimmick is going to have a short shelf life. And, you know, I feel I feel bad, for, if anybody, for Corbin and the Revival being involved in this nonsense. Because Thank you. That's what I was going to say. It doesn't make them look any better. Even if Corbin does pick up the sneaky end of day's victory over No Way Jose here, it does not help in... It's not helping anybody. Yeah. No, we, I want to see more revival, and I want to see more Baron Corbin. I could see an interesting program between Baron Corbin and No Way Jose. I'm into that but at this, because they're the good same size. They're, they've got some fun stuff in the ring. I would like to see a singles uh, feud with those two. I could see I it if it was an more NXT. Revival. Why are they burying the revival in this non-existent tag division? Well, speaking of the non-existent tag division, we had a tag match between uh, the Deleters of Worlds Ugh. And the Miztourage, you can guess how that went. It happened. The Miztourage <laughs> lost. Yeah. Who knows what they're... I mean, those guys... Uh, <laughs> Corbo Dallas. In kayfabe or outside of kayfabe, removing them from the Miz is basically a, a death sentence. Yeah. Um, although I did find it interesting that I think it was a slip, but Cole made a... I think it was Cole made a reference to when uh, uh, Bray Wyatt hit Bo Dallas at one point. He said, no brotherly love lost there. Like, oh, careful, careful, careful. Yep. I don't know if that's kayfabe, dude. <laughs> uh, they're not technically brothers. Um, that being said, if the Mistrage did join whatever kind of weird cult Matt and Bray are starting, it could be good for them. Uh, but they need something. They need anything. Uh, also, you know who needs anything is this Elias and Bobby Roode feud. I use this in, in heavy quotation marks because, man, we, we've been on again, off again with it. We thought it. Started we, when it started, we were like, "Eh, who cares about these two guys fighting each other?" Yep. Then uh, he, there was the one match where Elias injured Bobby Roode's neck, and we were like, "Okay, now it's vicious. Now there's something interesting." And then it was just a blow-off, silly skit segment on Backlash, and now we're back to a, a next-to-nothing match. You know, deep in the heart of Raw, that they don't put on the Hulu edition, and they obviously don't really care about to really promote. Ouch. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I like Elias as he is. I don't think Bobby Roode's the right competitor for him because face Bobby Roode sucks. I need dick Bobby Roode in a suit coming out and telling everybody how stupid they are. That I don't know when they're going to pull the trigger on that. That is the missing key from this whole thing. Yes, you can't have heel against heel technically, but it's a matter of Bobby Roode is, is in the wrong place. The problem is is that with, with Bobby Roode, I think they brought him to the main roster, and the thought was at the time, we need another face on SmackDown. And right now, his whole glorious gimmick is so over. Everyone loves singing along to the song. Let's drive it into that. Well, now he's been overexposed. Not everyone's singing glorious anymore. It's, it's still cute, but it doesn't have the same kind of hilarious campy mystique that it once did. Right. And so he's now become relegated to being the typical bland baby face. And yep. that doesn't really garner any heat. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't make me excited for him fighting Elias, who has that kind of, you know, that, that asshole heel thing going on that everyone loves to hate him. And he's funny and he has a good catchphrase, which is, you know, for a heel... The only thing that keeps him alive as a heel is the fact that he's really good at dissing the audience uh, and working heel. But, uh, you know, there but for the grace of God, people love cheering him and chanting, his, chanting for his stuff. Yeah. So 
it's yeah this is to me so far this is dead in the water uh speaking of dead in the water i'll tell you what else is dead in the water is drew mcintyre and dolph ziggler you think anything teamed up with dolph ziggler at this point <laughs> is my opinion is dead in the water going all the way back to shinsuke last year when he did this weird heel turn uh this is n- we've I, I feel like i'm parroting this at this point this is not the way you introduce Drew McIntyre. He's good enough on his own. I want fire and bagpipes and Drew McIntyre just coming out and claymoring everybody into the mat. Well, that being said, this was almost a squash, ma- a squash match against Slater and Rhino. Heath Slater and Rhino, who at, some, at one point were the inaugural SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Yes. Oh, what a difference. <laughs> a what couple, a year makes, A year, right? year and a half makes. Yeah. Oh, ouch. Um, this, this was actually... <laughs> Here's the thing. I hate to say this. I like the chemistry between Ziggler and McIntyre when they work in the ring. Do I think they should be together as a tag team? My jury is still out, but it's leaning pretty heavily towards no. Yeah. Uh, I hope this experiment is over quickly, but the way that they're pushing this, I have a feeling this is going to become a bigger deal as the weeks go on. They're going to get a little bit more shine. I wouldn't be surprised to see them with the tag belts by the end of summer. But uh, again, jury is still out on McIntyre and Ziggler. Uh, I got to say, dude, overall, the Raw roster, I, like I said at the top of this discussion, I think the whole Raw roster is just not as exciting as it was before the shakeup. I, I think they were the most affected by it. I think they're trying to figure out how to uh, realign everything or get new stories kicked into gear. And that's going to take longer than a month, longer than three weeks, whatever it is right now. It's going to take a good half a year to really get those feuds into motion and have some kind of storytelling behind all of those. Yeah, all the gears aren't quite set in place yeah. yet and clicking yet. They're definitely going to have to do a little bit more massaging with their... I remember when we were doing the shakeup and Raw did the first picks and we're like, man, SmackDown is just devastated right now. And then SmackDown did their picks and we're like, oh, dude, Raw is screwed. Yep. Yeah, we were right. I mean, so far, that is what's turning out. Smackdown to be the case. offloaded their dead weight onto Raw. <laughs> I'm going to call a spade a spade. That's exactly what happened during the Superstar Shakeup. That's why Smackdown has gone from the B show that it was at the beginning of this year, and we were really down on it. To oh my god, it's amazing week after week. I now. don't know about amazing yet, but it's definitely. I think it's head, not five it's, and a half stars. It's but, getting. You know. It's it's so much better than it was, yeah. and part of that is you know some of the dynamics have shifted. You've got new people over there. It's heading more in the right direction. Than Raw is right now. Yep. But speaking of which, let's go on over and talk about SmackDown Live. <laughs> well, as we did on Monday Night Raw, we had a lot of qualifying matches for Money in the Bank also on SmackDown Live. Did you including just, did you just Adrian English the intro to this a- segment? Adrian English? A- Aiden, Aiden English? Aiden, Aiden. Aiden English this no, no, no. That's not what I was doing at all. I was, I was, I was clearing my throat. Was clearing your throat as we were coming into because I, I knew that I needed to make a big entrance there. So ah, okay, um, continue. No, we we set Monday. We're, sorry, we set uh, SmackDown Live up with a series of Money in the Bank qualifying matches. I don't remember them doing these in the past, and I'm kind of excited that this uh, is something that that they're doing now to, in order for people to have an actual call it a mini tournament of sorts to see who's going to get into the actual money in the bank ladder match. Yeah, no, and these and this is fun. I like this because we're getting a couple of of matchups that we wouldn't have expected, you know, a month ago or even a couple of weeks ago, like the way that this kicked off with a banger, a banger of a match, Miz versus Jeff Hardy. And I'm going to have to say this again, like this is the second or third time in the last couple of weeks I've said Miz is wrestling above where we thought his game was, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe it's time to start saying that Miz is underrated as a wrestler because this match with Jeff Hardy was 
fantastic. You just you just did, and I did last week. So I think we've officially said it now. Uh, I had been down on Miz, uh, his in-ring ability for a long time, but after watching the last two weeks, man, the Miz is is absolutely on fire. Um, it is he stronger without the with the Miz Taraj anchoring him. Well, I in, think that, were they holding him back? I think that they've done a, a pretty natural uh, progression of Miz from being the 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 typical kind of chicken shit version of their heel characters that they have with the the goons. You know, yeah. they have like their the heels with the goons who always do the run in and the interference. Yep. To now he's the strong heel that can come out and actually wrestle a match, uh, and sometimes will win. Not always through nefarious means, but uh, you know, definitely still wrestles heel, wrestles a little cowardly. Um, and this is a perfect example of that. He wrestled this match fairly cowardly where Jeff would get the upper hand and Miz would back away and, you know, kind of plead off and hold up his hands or he'd roll out of the ring or whatever. Uh, but at the end of the match, he counters a swanton bomb into a sudden surprise roll up for the win. And which I love the, the counter finishes in this match were brilliant. So nice. And Miz does sneak out a clean win over the U S champ. This, as you said, I think that they're going to be booking Miz more strongly now that he is uh, by himself because you kind of have to. Absolutely. As a heel, like you, you, they've got to book him a little bit more of someone who can close out matches. Otherwise, if he just loses all the time because he doesn't have his goons, that's just not entertaining. Right. You have to believe that Miz is a genuine threat now, which I think is great for his character. And it's going to make him more legitimate when he goes up against some of these guys that we can see him destined to be against whether that's Daniel Bryan and that feud or if he ever goes up against uh, AJ Styles or anyone who's higher up in the roster right now I think this is a fantastic way to show that Miz is able to go and and his new character his new heel persona is a lot more dangerous than he was with the Miztourage. Yeah, and I lo- one thing that I love that I just want to mention here is that there's a very popular mean- meme that's known as Demon Girl that's been around for a long time now, uh, but it was from when Miz cashed in in 2010 from his previous Money in the Bank victory. Oh, uh, yes, on uh, Randy Orton, I believe. And, yes, and they cut to the crowd, and there's this girl that's just making She's this just so face. mad. She's she is so-, so mad, and they actually showed it in the replay on Raw again this week. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, on, on SmackDown Live. They showed, it, showed her face during the the replay for like a split second. You can't not show. It's like Undertaker guy. Oh, like, yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like it's one of those beautiful faces <laughs> where they, they cut to the crowd at the perfect time and catch someone with the most amazing reaction. Uh, and and yeah, I will. I love her. She's I can remember just, all the pictures of like fire coming out of her eyes and her hair and everything. <laughs> she's my Roman Reigns spirit animal. Yes. Uh, another match we had tonight that I thought was uh, that was great it was the Money in the Bank qualifying match. So Miz qualifies. He's in. Uh, we He's also going to win. What's, you think he's going to win? I think Miz is going to win. I'll call. Really? I'll go ahead. And call it, I'll call that moonshot right now. Really? I think Miz is going to win Money in the Bank. I don't. No, that's, I. I have my own opinion. We'll get to okay. in a second. But we uh, got six weeks to go over that. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> On the women's side, we had Charlotte versus Peyton Royce once again. God, I. I love to hate the iconics on the mic. My God, they are. They are such brilliant, annoying heel characters. It's like Chihuahuas nipping at your heels. It relentlessly or that gnat that buzzes in your ear. You yes, just, except I don't want to kick the Iconics. Um, fair, fair. But that being said, this was a, a they started off running their mouth on Charlotte and they ended up with a match with Peyton Royce versus Charlotte. Another, uh, I did not think it was the, the best match of the week. It wasn't bad. It was fine. It was serviceable. Um, some nice strong moments to it. At the end of the day, Charlotte does pick up the clean win and she's going to be moving on. Charlotte as... An entrant in Money in the Bank. 
I, I see her as kind of like the female Braun Strowman in this, where she's she's the monster that all the other women are going to have to be scared of, but probably won't pick up the the, the no, briefcase because she doesn't need it. No, she, this, like you said earlier, this is for uh, the mid Carters to have that kind of underdog opportunity, once in a million chance, yeah. to uh, to get that. And, and Charlotte is so legitimate that at any point yeah. she could go and just get a championship chance if she if she wanted it in kayfabe she's got a better chance of being cashed in on than cashing in the contract true that so. uh but that being said while we're talking about in kayfabe should charlotte actually retire this freaking moonsault because that's two weeks in a row where the moonsault has just been a horrible idea for her one she banged up her leg and allowed carmella to uh kick her in the leg and take a victory <laughs> terrible ending and in this one she missed again with a moonsault and almost cost her the match i mean the only time her moonsault works is when it's to the outside of the ring. If I'm just looking at this strictly from a, a nerdy kayfabe standpoint. All right, Magoo. Uh, listen, the thing I don't like about her moonsault, she lands on her feet. That's always the thing that weirds me out about it. I'm used to the kind of the pancaking laying down when you when you come out of one. Same with a shooting star press or same with a frog, frog splash and anything. If any of those things ended up with you landing on your feet in a standing position, it would just be as weird as this is. So anytime she does this moonsault, as beautiful as it is, as tall as she is and how you know how long she is, when she does that flip over, it looks amazing. But she always like lands on her feet well, and people just fall down. She doesn't actually make like legit. That's contact. called that's called doing it perfectly well and making it safe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and also she lands on her feet, but sometimes it busts up her knee, Nick. So don't right. don't forget. So it's still, she could get pinned on her shoulders. It's still dangerous. <laughs> exactly. But you know, there's a lot of moves like like that where I think she does it the right way. Like I think she does the moonsault the right way, in my opinion. A lot of she's just so athletic that she nails it every time. Uh, her spear, she does the spear the right way, where I personally, I can't stand the spear as a finisher because most people don't do it right. Goldberg does it right. Charlotte does it right. It's when you lay straight out and land on your stomach, not your knees. Speaking of Bobby Roman, Lashley earlier, Bobby Lashley does it right, but he can't do it because Roman Reigns is doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but th- that's the proper way to do a spear. Charlotte does a real spear and it looks good. Moving on, we have our other Money in the Bank qualifier from on the men's side. It was our main event of the evening. Yes. One that I didn't see coming, and I was very excited when they announced this was going to be the main event. Daniel Bryan versus Rusev. Talk about an underdog match. Well, I, I don't know who's the underdog in this match, to be honest with you. I didn't at least when it first <laughs> started because of the way they've been booking Rusev. Right. But here's the thing. I kind of feel almost like they're so determined to keep Rusev heel but they're at the same time aware of the fact how popular and over he is that they're putting him against some of the top guys on the roster, whether it's Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles, now Daniel Bryan, because they're saying in their minds, well, someone who's this popular with the crowd should be against our top guys. Yep. Not really realizing that, yes, if you have him as a heel, he's popular because he's that 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 tweener heel like you know we we like him because he's he's fun entertaining that was going to be my question has he reached that tweener status that a lot of the top card guys well, but the are problem at? is if you book him against daniel bryan and he beats daniel bryan as he does here yes which was a shocker yeah and does it clean then it actually puts some heat on rusev and not the good kind it's it's the he's an actual heel like this is daniel bryan the biggest you know pure baby face they have and so for Rusev to beat him, it makes people go, oh, Rusev, what are you doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it pulls away from that It makes bit. them decide whether they want to chant Rusev Day or yes, yes, yes. Or be mad at him. Exactly. It puts it, them it def- in that conundrum of having to decide. It divides the audience. And yep. as much as I, I like the fact they're giving Rusev the, you know, the, the big spotlight, 
I don't think it's the right spotlight to give him based on the reactions that he's that he's been getting. And you can already hear the Rusev Day chants quieting down a little bit. Now it's it, it's almost become kind of a protest uh, chant. Like you hear you heard it during the main event of Backlash. Right. Uh, it's become like the new CM Punk. I prefer it to the CM Punk or the what chant immensely because I think those are both completely bullshit chants. Yep. But uh, that being said, it's it's become its own thing almost. And I wasn't really happy. I'm not really happy with the fact they're continuing to make Rusev the the heel against the most popular faces. Uh, th- I, th- I still you know. think Daniel Bryan finds a way to get into this match. I think you can't have the Money in the Bank match without Daniel Bryan in it this year. I think he's still going to find a way to, to wriggle his way into it. Well, and I, I don't think that you should have Daniel Bryan come back and not be something that is a, a main event worthy. Like, this is Daniel frickin' Bryan. Obviously, now here's the thing. That being said, I'm actually going to devil's advocate myself right now. Okay. Because I liked the fact that Daniel lost this match clean. I did I liked, too, actually. I liked the fact that SmackDown went to black with Daniel Bryan sitting on the apron of the ring with people, you know, Clapping for him, like, good job, buddy. Daniel good Bryan. try, Daniel Bryan. Yep. And him looking dejected and questioning himself because that's who Daniel Bryan is. He is an underdog. He loses matches until he wins the big one, right? Yep. That is... Now, obviously, there's a certain point at which it's too much. But this is... Ju- I, 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 at this point, I'm not mad at it. Give me the underdog, Daniel Bryan. Be careful with it. But give me the underdog, Daniel Bryan. That's that's great. Perfect. Um, so I wasn't mad at Rusev winning this. I like Rusev being in Money in the Bank. He's actually my early pick to win Money mm, in the Bank. I okay. Would like, I would like to see Rusev win. I think they, they haven't really done anything with the whole Lana and Aiden and like that whole drama thing there. I think with the Money in the Bank briefcase involved in all that, it could be even more interesting. But again, as you said earlier, we have a long way to go. I, I love the idea of Lana Rusev and Aiden English as a unit w- carrying around the money in the bank briefcase. With a little bit of tension between Lana and That's Aiden. Fan- the the, the pit- petty jealousy stuff exactly. going on. Yes. Yeah. That yeah, could yeah, yeah. be, if delicately handled, he says, <laughs> chuckling to himself about uh, how many times WWE delicately handles things. You're right. <laughs> well, We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of things that we'll see what happens, AJ Nakamura appears to be continuing. Good. Not surprising there. A nope. uh, couple of pretty solid backstage promos from both guys who quote unquote weren't cleared because apparently their their huevos got a little too scrambled on <laughs> Sunday. But uh, Nakamura again with his I, I, he's they're starting to walk the line with the whole nut nut thing like the nut shots thing. It's starting to get a little bit much for me where you're having this whole angle with two of the best guys in the world is just about nut shots. And I, I wonder if that's someone backstage is having a laugh. Like, oh, you guys, you guys think that you're great wrestlers. This whole, this whole feud is going to be about hitting each other in the balls. Is it going to come out that Toriyano is the one actually that's been booking this Toriyano's match the whole time? Toriyano is the booker for this whole <laughs> angle. <laughs> uh, yeah, now this is, but Nakamura's promo here, they're still, I liked it. It's still funny to me, his whole no speak English thing. And he's playing with it really well with his intonations and his, his expressions and, and, you know, I know no speaking English, then he's able to string together a couple of sentences in English explaining how AJ is nuts, but I'm nuts too. We're not done. And he walks away back into the uh, production office, which Brilliant. is supposedly his locker room. Right. But uh, I still love it. I still working for me. I can see it not working for me very soon if they're not careful. Um, and going a little bit too on the nose with it. Now, this needs to get back to the formula of up, upping the ante with stipulations for the next two to three matches, pay-per-views, whatever we see these guys get into. I think the nut shot thing needs to go away. I think it, it's been cute, and it's been a way to keep these two on an even keel, so to speak. 
but the the stipulations need to continue to ramp. I want to see these guys continue to work long term throughout this year. And I it, the best thing they could possibly do is run this long term, where there's constantly some kind of extra step or extra spice added to their matchups. Yeah, and I think there's lots of options for the styles of matches that they have going forward. I think that uh, pun intended. The, uh, no. <laughs> His name is AJ Styles. Get over it. Uh, no, I think that uh, it's one of those. Uh, uh, Eric Elledge actually posted on our Facebook page that it could go to last man standing, extreme rules, street fight, hell in a cell. Uh, and I, ta- I, I said back to him, like, you know, that's they, they've already kind of had the possible outcome of last man standing with the double count out. Right. Like, that could also have the same thing. And Paige said this week, like, I hadn't considered they could get double counted out. So we're going to change that going forward. Um, extreme rules and street fight would be, would be fun. It yeah. would be, it would be cool. Get some weaponry as opposed to just one chair in a, a no DQ match, get like a, a match built around having objects involved. That could be fun. Hell in a cell. That's obviously, that's like the ultimate, you, you don't have anything after hell. In that's a cell. the blow off. That's yeah. the blow off. You've, we've seen earlier this year with the Shane and Kevin Owens. If you go to anything after hell in a cell, it always just feels like less. Yep. Um, and I, I postulated that the best possible like blow off besides hell in a cell could be an, I quit match. Mm, I think, I think an, I quit match between these two, given the animosity that they've built up, given the fact that both of these guys like, so that way, one of them has to tap out, give up something like that. There can't just be a double count out. There can't be any kind of shenanigans. Um, one of them has to go down. And I think that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, like I said earlier, I think this runs all year, and we do get that blow-off at Hell in a Cell. I, I hope I, that we get a blow-off either at Hell in a Cell or SummerSlam. But we've got Summer to there. But given what they've done so far, I'm going to lose my mind in fury and anger if this whole feud culminates at Great Balls of Fire. Oh, boy. Goodness gracious. Great Balls of Fire. Because when, there's enough to do with balls in this without having to get into the whole pay-per-view <laughs> involved. I didn't even think about that. Yes. yes. Yeah, that God help us all if they if they actually make this go to that. What if the stipulation is that whoever sets the other one's nuts on fire first at Gray Balls of Fire? Be, never mind. I'm sorry. Shut up. Moving on. Gonna, shut up, Saxton. <laughs> we are going to go talk about the New Day and the Bar, uh, who are continuing their feud. The New Day this week stuffing the bars uh, gear bags with pancakes. Brilliant. Uh, while the and and having Seamus eating Lucky Charms out of sadness for losing to Xavier Woods last week. Oh boy. Um. Talk about getting into racial ethnic stereotypes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, would you? I mean, what are you going to have Nakamura eating rice in sadness or something? What this? I, I don't know. It He's was gonna make, making sushi backstage. It was. Or something. It was. I suppose it was cute, but at the same time, double standards. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So the the we had Cesaro set up a match with Xavier Woods for this week, try and get Sheamus's win back for him, and he was successful despite all kinds of shenanigans going on outside with Sheamus and the New Day. He ends up landing a monstrous European uppercut as Xavier comes off the top rope, which legit busted open, busted open Xavier's tongue. Apparently, Xavier legit bit all the way through his tongue in one place and partially in two others uh, when he got hit with this thing. Oh, that sucks. So <laughs> I'd rather get kicked in the nuts by Shinsuke Nakamura than have that happen. Ew, that's oh. a toss up for me, man. Oh. That is a definite toss up for me. But uh, yeah, so now the bar gets their win back. We're back to square one. Are we going to finally start seeing some tag matches between these guys? Maybe. I don't know. We haven't really seen the bar do anything since they came over in the last two to three weeks in ring other than like this match, right? So, I mean, there hasn't been that much going on. I, I, I enjoy how some of this is going to comedy, but it still culminates in a match. 
I, I'm I'm down with this. I I have real no real complaints about anything that's going on between these teams. Do we see a match at Great Balls of Fire with these two guys? Great Balls of Fire is not the next pay-per-view, and I hope it's never a pay-per-view again. Nick, <laughs> Money in the Bank is our next one. I don't know if any of these guys are going to be getting uh, individual pushes before then. I know there's been rumors about Big E getting an individual push and possibly being in Money in the Bank uh, and going on to win it. Can you have a ladder match without Kofi Kingston anymore? Uh, yes, you absolutely okay. can. Just um, making sure. I, I obviously I would love him in a ladder match, but yep. you can unfortunately. Right. And I don't think I don't know. I'm on the fence as to whether whether or not they should break up the new day at this point. You know, I mean, it's I, don't think I could so. see I could see arguments on both sides. Yeah, I could also see arguments on both sides of breaking up the bar. I think the bar could have one more good run if given something to work with. I don't know if that's what this is heading for or not. I, you know, we saw a little bit of tension between Sheamus and Cesaro backstage, but it was quickly squashed. I don't know what they're shooting for with all this. I hope that ultimately when we do start getting down to the nitty gritty and we see these two tag teams face off, that we get something on the level of the Usos New Day because the bar can do it. They can pull off really good matches. So I hope that we see that. Um, in the meantime, these singles matches, however long they last, it is what it is. At least... They're putting on entertaining matches both yeah. week. Uh, you know, Xavier Woods is a great worker as well, so that was all fine. Um, speaking of good workers, Becky Lynch had oh, a match she's this a good week. Worker. She's a she's a good worker, uh, and she had a match against uh, the debuting singles competition uh, on SmackDown Live between her and Mandy Rose. Yes, and this was preceded by a backstage segment where Paige banned. Sonya Deville from ringside. Yeah, officially. Breaking up absolution, well, officially. Officially making herself in opposition to them. Like, she's now, okay. she's now, it's official, she's going to be messing with her old running mates as opposed to just being like, hey, we're not friends anymore, but you guys do what you want. She's going to, she's going to do her best to break them up. But Mandy didn't need Sonya because she came out and beat Becky clean. Becky Lynch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just sitting is, over here nodding because I can't believe it actually happened. I, either they're they're really into pushing Mandy Rose with her new weird softcore entrance, right? Um, and her in, and and her inability to actually look convincingly sexy. Um, she does, she doesn't need to look sexy. She, she already no, does. Just stand there. Just just <laughs> be. Yeah. And, I, and I love that. My favorite part of this whole thing. We'll talk about the Becky Lynch thing in a second, but uh, was Corey just constantly berating Phillips and Saxon for trying to talk? While Mandy Rose was coming out, shut up and just watch. Yeah, well, what the, my only my only issue with that is it was, it's a complete retread of what he was doing in NXT with Miss All Red Everything herself, yeah. uh, whose name we will not speak on the show yes. because the better the, the more she's gone, the happier I am. Yep. But uh, this is just a retread. Well, of this that. one can actually wrestle, so I'm okay <laughs> with it. Exactly. So it's <laughs> it's a little better. But then, yeah, I'm not a fan of the entrance. I'm not a fan of her beating Becky clean. Although I'm sure they do want to push Mandy because she's got everything Vince wants. Yep. Uh, in a female wrestler, blonde hair, buxom, and strong as hell, and can wrestle. Yes. So you know, I definitely think he he might see Trish Stratus too in her. Who knows? But uh, I, I I hope they I hope that they have some sort of comeback for Becky here. I was gonna say, let's talk about Becky for for a couple of minutes because this I can't remember the last time she won a match, and I, I well let me say it a different way. I can't believe I can't remember the last time she held any significant. Uh, position in any kind of story or any kind of significance in on SmackDown Live. She was drafted to SmackDown Live as the current women's champion. That was a big deal that she was picked number two, if I remember right, overall when they did the draft. So I, I have not seen anything since then out of Becky Lynch. 
And I have to question, like, what do the, did they lose faith in her? I know the WWE Universe did not, but it's one of those things where what is happening backstage where, with Becky Lynch over the last 12 months? I'm not sure, and I can only hope that this is some sort of underdog story they're building up, a la what I'm afraid they were going to do with Daniel Bryan, which is she just loses, 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 loses till everyone loses faith, faith in her, and then they try to build her back up. But they're in danger of making it a Bailey situation yeah. where it's too many losses. It's and way, it takes too long. She looks like too much of a loser, and then it's just too late for her character. I mean, there's still Money in the Bank coming up. I don't have it in my notes, or and I don't see anywhere if this was a Money in the Bank qualifier or not. I don't think it no, was. No, I don't think it was. I don't think it was. So there's still the possibility that Becky could be involved in Money in the Bank and pull off the briefcase, but with as pure of a face as she is, I don't know if her having the briefcase is going to work. She cashed, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm very nervous about Becky right now, as are you. Uh, some last cool quick notes about SmackDown. There were some very notable absences this week. Uh, Samoa Joe was not on the show at all, despite just losing to Roman Reigns, possibly just because he just lost to Roman Reigns, and they want to get a little distance from that uh, before having Joe come back out and act like a badass again when he just got beaten after all of his big words, which yeah. is which was the issue that we had with him possibly losing to Roman. Yes. Was you now you got to build him back up again. Again after all the other times that he's had big words and lost, which has been his pretty much his entire main roster career. I think they're going to look back on that and say, "Nah, we we should have put Joe over Roman in that one." Cuz uh, it wouldn't have really mattered. I think everyone already is except for one uh septuagenarian over in Connecticut. <laughs> I think everyone's already saying that. Uh the Usos were also not in the show except for one quick shot of a tore up Usos hat in a Bludgeon Brothers backstage segment where they had a whole bunch of like twisted and melted uh WWE action figures and then said we're going to blaze a path of destruction or something. And Great. So I, I don't know where the Shut Usos up and are. get in the ring and just well, beat people up. Now, I don't know if this is their way of saying that the Bludgeon Brothers actually killed the Usos and there's going to be some <laughs> whole like angle where the Usos are being held in some sort of dank underground dungeon by the Bludgeon Brothers or or whatever. But there was a whole Naomi angle going on before Greatest Royal Rumble and now the Bludgeons seem to be issuing open challenges. So I'm not really sure what's going on with the Usos here. And we also did not see big cast. This one surprised me the most if I'm being honest. I fully expected after seeing Big Cass beat down Daniel Bryan after their match at Backlash to, for him to come out and gloat and make a big, huge stink about this and get that kind of dirty heel heat again. So I was very surprised that he didn't show up. Well, I think it might be the same thing as uh, as Joe. I think there's, there's two possibilities. Okay. Same thing as Joe. You give him a little time off. Daniel Bryan needs to have his slate cleared this week so we can have a clean match with Rusev and lose uh, and not have Cass there to kind of rub it in and do all that stuff. Right. Um, and just give cast time off to then come back and have a little extra heat because of the delay, you know, and there's also the argument that we don't need everyone on the show every week. It, it creates overexposure. Sure. You know, don't, you don't need everyone. NXT is a great example of that. It's a perfect example of that. Lucha underground. Yep. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shows where you don't have people every week cause you don't need them. Here's the other possibility is it's being reported that cast might have some backstage heat. Oh, because, and again, this is speculation. I haven't seen it reported on any of the, the, the big, big sites yet or, or, or corroborations, but it is being reported that it's possible Cass has backstage heat because he wasn't supposed to go as far as he did with the little person segment. He was supposed to, the, the script said to kick the little, to give him the big boot and then gloat and leave. And Cass apparently went to immediate management and said, hey, I think it'd be better if I beat him down afterwards. And they said, no, he went straight to Vince. And said, can I beat him down afterwards? And Vince said no. And, and he then did a, it anyway. Did it anyway. Went into business for himself. 
Uh-oh. which I don't care who you are. Uh oh, that's no good. That's no bueno. Oh, so yes. we will obviously that is at this point non-confirmed by any legitimate source that I have been able to find. Okay, so take it with a grain of salt. But uh, we'll obviously that will come out in the wash in the next few weeks. If you see Cass jobbing to Epico or Primo, you'll know he has some backstage heat. <laughs> Good point. Well, that wraps up uh, SmackDown Live, guys. Let's head over and talk about everything else that went down in the wide world of wrestling. So we're going to kick off the wide world of wrestling this week by sticking to WWE and going over it and talking about NXT, which kicked off with our boy, Ricochet. Coming to the ring. I'm sorry. He's not King Ricochet anymore. He's the one and only. The one and only. The one and only who apparently still can't afford socks. Yes. uh, Comes to the ring, cuts a promo about how, you know, he basically his welcome to NXT promos. Like, I'm here to take over, blah, blah, blah. Out comes Velveteen Dream. Didn't see this feud coming. Uh, (laughs) But I ain't mad at it. I ain't mad at it. I, I don't care if I didn't see it coming. I'm all about it. Yep. Um, Velveteen backs off at the end, and uh, we. I'm curious to see where this goes. If this is just going to be two guys feuding, um, if it goes all the way to the next takeover, or if we have a blow off on the weekly show. Either way, I'm freaking excited. Uh, yep. I think I think this is going to be good for. I mean, Ricochet's. I wouldn't say he's a veteran, but he's been all around the world, and the guy. You know, he's already worked as the the top guy in one promotion. Um. He's gotten belts all over the place. I sorry, two promotions. Excuse me, they've been the top guy. Um, so he can absolutely teach a lot to Velveteen Dream by working with him. Yes. So I think this is a smart thing to put him with Velveteen. These two, I can't see any way how they would not have some sort of chemistry after watching the the ladder match that Ricochet was in recently, uh, the takeover of WrestleMania. It was uh, just watching Ricochet fly around all over the place is absurd. Well, it's absurd how talented he is. And this is the thing. As someone who's... I've, I've followed him in New Japan and, you know, the Super Juniors division over there and out here in Lucha Underground and, and PWG. PWG. Like, that's what he does. Yeah. That is what he does. There's no better introduction to Ricochet than having his first televised move or his first move on an NXT product be that crazy springboard uh, moonsault or whatever it was that he I, was a shooting star press. I don't um, know. Uh, I have to go look at it again. Into the, into the group. Or screw, yeah. whatever. That's the, that's the that's perfect. Ricochet. Welcome to Ricochet. Yeah. Welcome to Ricochet <laughs> land. Uh, so yeah, I'm very much looking forward to him and Velveteen. We also had a match between EC3 and Raul Mendoza, which I thought was a little bit lackluster. Yeah, EC3's TV debut uh, match yeah. uh, was meh. Yeah, it was a little meh. And Raul, Raul can can go. Like we've seen him be enhancement for other guys before. And he's really talented, but this just it lacked something. EC three did not look good. Well, I think I think Raul looks good because the guys that he's worked with before as enhancement have been really, really good. I I, I thought EC three was better than this. I, I guess I want to say it that way because I, I expected a little bit more. And I'm wondering if it's the jitters of first time in a match. Uh, I don't TV. know because so he's, he's definitely been doing it for a while. Yeah. So the crowd definitely wasn't engaged too. I wonder if that played a part of it. There um, was death, dead silence. And every once in a while they'd come start up a little chant, but they were definitely not. I wouldn't. You didn't have that feeling of tension yeah. like you did with some other matches on this show. I don't know if it was because of the way they taped these shows. I'm not sure if there was some something else going on or what it was. But I mean, EC3 is still really good on the mic. He finished the match with a strong promo. So I don't know. Maybe this was just... I I shouldn't read too much into this. And it was just... 
you know, that I'm wasn't trying there. not to, but the entire rest of this card was insanely good. Yeah, and they were alive for it. But there were clear. But again, we don't know these were all silence. We don't know if this was all taped simultaneously, or if this was a bunch of things they threw together. That's how sure. NXT is taped. But uh, that being said, yes, yeah, a little nervous. I, I'm, and I'm definitely don't ever say NX three to me. That's yeah, the, that's no. dumb. Stop that. Um, the uh, another match we had was a women's match, which is Dakota Kai versus Vanessa Bourne. This came about because Dakota Kai has this overwhelming fear of the champ, Shayna Baszler. Vanessa Bourne made fun of her for that, so Dakota Kai said, "Cool, I can take you out. Let's go." They had, a, uh, I thought, a, a pretty decent match. I'm not very high on Vanessa Bourne. I don't no. think she can wrestle. Uh, I haven't been since the May Young Classic, and yeah. I was just like, "Really, you're going to bring a cheerleader and, and put her in a wrestling ring?" It just okay. I yeah, I don't think that 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 all cheerleaders are necessarily going to be bad wrestlers. Maybe just this one. <laughs> but I, I don't know. She 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 did her part in this match. I, she didn't blow me away again, but she did her part. Uh, Dakota Kai can wrestle, has some great moves, and has some of the best kicks in the women's division. Uh, wins clean with a couple of like, with her monster corner kick and then a knee in the corner. Boom, one two three. Vanessa Bourne, and then came the part that I loved the most which was as Dakota Kai is celebrating, boom, Shayna Baszler's music hits. Dakota yes. Kai immediately turns green and kind of shrinks into the corner. Shayna comes out, gets up in her face, and then instead of getting Dakota Kai, Vanessa Bourne still recovering on the ground, Shayna goes over and kind of like, oh, I see that you have you have made my prey ready for me. Attacks, attacks of Vanessa Bourne on the ground, puts her in her uh, Kirafuda clutch, and just stares down Dakota Kai while basically choking Vanessa Bourne to death. <laughs> <laughs> as Dakota Kai, like, you know, frightenedly runs up the ramp and right. away while Shane is basically killing someone in the yes. ring. This is great. It was it was it was chilling. It's like a lion in the Serengeti chasing off a vulture that is wants, and then it's going to eat its own the carcass of the animal that it ended up killing or something like that. It just it just work, work on that work on that metaphor. But yes, yeah, something yes. like that. Yes, something like that. Uh, it was it was a great moment that it gave Shana that presence. This the way that Dakota sold her. It's kind of like when uh, this is one thing I always call back to is if people don't know about somebody, if someone was watching NXT for the first time and they had no idea who Shayna Baszler was, Dakota's reaction would tell you. Yep. If you watched wrestling in the late 90s and you had no idea who Cactus Jack was, when Mick Foley was up on the monitor and uh, saying, well, Triple H, I'm not going to fight you. Mankind's like, I'm not going to fight you. Dude, love's not going to fight you. You know who's going to fight you? Cactus Jack. And Cactus Jack rolls into frame, and Triple H loses his damn mind in fear. That told you all you needed to know about Cactus Jack. Same thing here. Shayna's being sold as being this terrifying monster, and I love it. It's the perfect thing for her, and Dakota's doing a great job of putting her over with that. And, and coming out with the, the sunglasses and the spike leather jacket, and there's just the look and the, music and the presence and, everything. and the music. Just, it sells it all. They're doing a fantastic job with Shayna. This is night and day from where we were, frankly, a year ago with Asuka and Ember. Uh, it's very nice to see a different kind of women's yeah. champion uh, coming out here and doing this kind of just big dominating heel sort of persona. Yeah, we have we had a, we've had three different shades of, of champ over the last little bit. We've had Ember, we've had Asuka, and now we have Shayna. And I'm I'm a big fan of what they're doing with the with keeping them all feeling very separate. Uh, I wasn't a fan of the backstage segment immediately afterwards because it was kind of a reiteration of this and a little too on the nose with Dakota being terrified in an interview and then Shayna coming up to her and saying, "What are you going to do? Nothing." That's what I thought. And leaving. The only good thing about that was that we then pan over and see that Nikki Cross is back and she's now laughing at Dakota Kai. So Nikki Cross is back. That's very exciting. 
almost as exciting as our next match, which was War Raider. War wait, War Raiders. Uh, Damn it! Why did they rename them War Raiders versus Heavy Machinery? You, I know, were salivating about this. Yes, you know, you know me and uh, my love for big men. So, woo! That's yeah. never going to get old for me. The, the the here's my dilemma with this match is I I know coming out that this is going to be a a victory for War Raiders. It's hard for me to accept that because my boys Heavy Machinery are going to have to eat that pin. And to be fair, other than the big finisher from the Wall Waiters, we didn't really get that much back and forth other than just big dudes hitting each other. There wasn't a That's lot of was. action. There wasn't a lot of wrestling it going on. It was a on. whole bunch of 22-ounce slabs of meat just slapping against each other. You could, you know, you could, if you want to imitate this match, just go to a steakhouse, grab some raw meat and just slap them together. That was this match. You're going to have to stop doing that. Ian. Oh, I'm sorry. You're getting aroused over yes, there, Nick. Yes, Am I uh, making this uncomfortable whoop. for you? Oh, boy. Your nipple's uh, hard. What does this do for... I'm interested in what this does for both of these teams, frankly. Like, what does this mean for War, War Raiders? What does this mean for Heavy Machinery? It means that Heavy Machinery are basically the big guy enhancement group now. They don't see them at... Well, I mean, we will see. Maybe there'll be a comeback and Heavy Machinery will get their win back. But considering how decisively War Raiders beat them here, I can't see that happening. I think War Raiders take the next step and uh, continue to move up the tag division and become more legit threats. Um, I don't know a la AOP because they were almost a little too dominant for too long. I don't yeah. think we need another one of those. No, too but, soon. Uh, but we will see. I, I certainly think that... I don't think this is burying heavy machinery by any stretch. I think the feud will actually continue because after this, we had a little promo segment with... or I think it was at the, it was the beginning of the show. Pete Dunn was approached by Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. And they're apparently going to have a program with undisputed era Absolutely. to try three and go on, get three those championships, three. right? Three on three. So yeah. I don't think I don't think War Machine's going. War Machine. I don't think War Waiters are going anywhere anytime soon. This could continue. We could have a back and forth between uh, these two teams because. Undisputed Air is going to be busy with Pete Dunn, Danny Birch, and Oni Lorcan. And I get the feeling that uh, even though they had a promo this week saying they're coming for the tag championships, uh, you had the Street Profits, who just came off a loss against TM61, who apparently are now cheating and possibly turning heel. So you could have three separate tag feuds going on at the same time. I wouldn't be mad at that. No. Uh, something else I wasn't mad at was our main event. Which, if you want to see people hitting the crap out of each other and, and not in New Japan, this is the match for you. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus Cassius Ono. My God. I, I want to preface, what, before we even talk about this, that very few times, I told you this after we got done watching it, very few times are there matches that I want to go back and rewatch. Yes. This is one I wanted to immediately go watch again. And in recent memory, as far as I can think back... This is one of the stiffer matches I've ever seen in WWE. I mean, they were hitting each other like you have to go watch New Japan to see this kind I of would, stiffness. Or, or, you know, Danny Burch, Oni Lorcan's uh, series of events was, was sure. pretty yeah, hard was hitting, pretty good too. Last that, yeah. was, that was pretty brutal as well. But this, was, this definitely was very snug. This was some strong style and very brutal as well. Lots of really like brutal moments with uh, Cassius Ono coming out with a nice amount of righteous fury defending Johnny Gargano's honor. Uh, really took it to Ciampa in this. I like the way that they built this and sold this. And they had Cassius almost going to like heel level tactics in, ter in terms to try to beat down Ciampa. He grinding his heel into Ciampa's still healing eye. Uh, and 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 then Champa coming around and trying to gouge out Cassius's eye from behind, and just all kinds of just real brutality in this match. It was uncomfortable. 
I, Some of it was. In a good way. Yeah, very good. In a good hey, way. Hey, um, a quick aside. Dear Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> I know you're going with this. Dear Dolph Ziggler, um, this is how you come out with no entrance music. Okay? <sighs> this, is, this is how you come out and not give an F about what anybody thinks. No record scratches. Don't play your music. No spotlights. No, none of well, that this stuff. Well, the thing is Dolph's coming out to silence and the, a few couple of jeers. Tommaso is coming out to shrieks and boos and, and that, that one big guy who, whose face turns red when he's angry in the front row yes. screaming, I hate you! Yeah. I hate you! <laughs> in the front row. Yes, you have to come out this kind of heat. Otherwise, it's just really... Really uncomfortably awkward. awkward. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is how a heel should come out with no music. Is just the music is the deafening booze. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know this actually. Uh, Eric Elledge was on a roll this week on, yeah. on Facebook. He had another question he posted. He says, "Does Champa have the best heat in the business today? Also, will his character transfer well to the main roster when he gets called up? As far as heat, um, it, proper, true." Heel heat, not go away X-Pac, uh, Stephanie McMahon heat, yeah. not uh, annoyed Roman Reigns heat, uh, you know, the, the company's pushing you too hard heat. Uh, the Proper, the kind of heel heat you want from a heel. Yes, absolutely. The best heel heat in the company, bar none, hands down. Just as Johnny Gargano has the best babyface reactions in the company right now because Daniel Bryan hasn't really you know started rolling yet and he'd yep. be the only other person I could think has ever in the in recent memory gotten those kinds of Seth baby Rollins face in reactions. Montreal a couple of weeks ago but not like the the kind of just love that Johnny Gargano yeah, has been true. getting in NXT I mean they, they love Montreal but they're, they're excited about Seth Rollins they like him but it's it's not this like just adoration of the babyface character it's 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 slightly different. I, I, I've got up on my finger. It's more of the underdog babyface thing, whereas Seth's the the badass hero that you want to cheer. Seth's getting the kind of reaction that they want Roman to get. Of course. You know what I mean? If they're trying to make Roman a, an underdog, he should be getting the kind of reactions when he loses that Daniel Bryan got on SmackDown. Johnny Gargano gets all of those. Uh, and, and conversely, the yin to his yang, or the yang to his yin, his yin, or however it works. Whatever. Tommaso Ciampa gets the best heel heat. I, I mean, look at that guy in the front row. Good yeah. God, it's still real to him. Yeah, it's exactly. I want to. I want to address the second question. Part of that question that um, that Eric mentioned is: Will his character transfer well to the main roster when he gets called up? And I, I my immediate gut shot is to go back to Kevin Owens's debut when with Cena's Open Challenge. I don't think many people in that, other than holding the NXT title when he did come out. Um, remember, he did come over oh, yeah. with the title. Um, I don't think many people know who he is. And I think since in those past three years, I think more people have started to watch NXT because of the rise of the WWE Network. But I don't know that the fans that are attending, the fifteen to 20,000 people that go to the average Monday Night Raw or SmackDown Live show are watching NXT. Well, of course, you've just hit on the problem with any NXT call-up. Is- right. Asuka was the same way. You sure. know, she's one of the biggest deals to come out of NXT, arguably. And they still had to do a good job of giving her promo packages and selling her to the mainstream crowd. Tommaso Ciampa would be the same way. You have this incredible... St- I mean, okay, before I continue with that, let's look at Bailey. Okay. Incredible storyline in NXT, right? One of the better storylines in NXT history, in my opinion. Brings up, brings up the main roster, and they bring her up 
at the exact point in her storyline that she was at at the end of NXT. So everyone from the main audience had no idea of anything that happened in NXT other than what they were hinted at. And so they had no reason to care about her. Yeah. And because she's had such a, an, an odd gimmick, it was really hard to get the audience to properly connect with her other than she's this happy, bubbly chick, right? You don't have the weight of where she came from. It'd be the same thing with Ciampa. You would have to establish who he was in NXT and why you know, this group over here in the mainstream crowd really, really freaking hates him, right? With Kevin Owens, as you said, when he came up, he was put over by John Cena. He beat, in his first match, he beat John Cena freaking clean. Yeah, nasty fisherman suplex off the top. You know, it's just awesome. And he looked great in this match. You know, he pulled out a whole bunch of crazy moves. People were like, who the hell is this guy? So I don't think Ciampa has the moveset that can can get him excited. I think think he does. uh, Fine, but I I think what we're going to have to do is, is... how do we do video packages to transfer this heat that has been building for two years now with the build up and the tear down of DIY? But this is my point is so much of his heat comes from the love for Johnny Gargano, right? Mm, kind, I, maybe. Yo, kind of. I, that's, or the love for DIY and their the betrayal, betrayal of the it's betrayal. It's the whole storyline. Yeah. It's that whole storyline. That his, is not going to transfer well to the main roster. Exactly. And, and I don't know how you fix that. I don't know how you fix that either. The, to be able to transfer him to the main roster with the level of heat he has now would be impossible without redoing this storyline on the main roster or somehow i mean no i'm gonna say it's impossible to do that without transferring this storyline to the main roster because otherwise people are just going to be getting this heat secondhand if we're told the story as opposed to witnessing it and experiencing it over the course of the last year and a half it's not going to be the same thing one more little example i'll give you is aop aop is still out there murdering jobbers they really haven't transferred yet even though we are they dominate we know they dominated the nxt tag division for the better part of a year um sanity we still haven't seen sanity we don't know what they're going to yeah we we, so we don't know how they're going to transfer jury is still out on how they're going to do them but aop definitely feels a little bit neutered since they came to the main roster partially because the loss of paul ellering partially because the graphics change and and it's just not eh, they're not as terrifying as they were in good question eric good question it's definitely a wait and see but no i don't i think i think they're gonna have to do some work to get chomp at this level of heat on the main roster speaking of uh other things going on this week 205 live was again if you're not watching it it's one of the best products WWE's putting out week to week it's it's just killing it it was a little slow there for a while but they figured it out triple h <laughs> took control and man they are off yeah, to the we're races. back to wrestling first characters yes. second which is just what it needed I started off with a tag match this week uh jack gallagher and and the brian kendrick against the lucha house party members uh lince dorado and grand metalik uh Fantastic match. Some great ground-based uh, chain wrestling from Lindsay Dorado and Jack Gallagher to start things off. A uh, bunch of just great high spots. You had Drew Gulak on commentary, you know, tearing down Lucha House Party, which I think might lead to something. He's still he's still playing both sides of the fence now with his character that he had on the previous 205 Live where he was all about, you know, PowerPoint presentations and hating high flyers. Now he's that same guy. He just can kill you in the ring, and he's terrifying. Yeah, which is awesome. And Great. His whole, Best of both worlds. His whole kind of just constantly mad at the world persona that he's got going on, and just hates everybody. I'm digging it. Yeah, uh, and he's you know he was on commentary watching this match, and there was a point where he was just mugging, just mm, just mad at everything. It was so good. Yeah, he is just he has found a, a spot that is just perfect for him. And it's kind of up there. That's the kind of stuff I'd kind of like to see out of Bobby Roode to throw back to him as that kind of just dickish heel 
that's the kind of stuff that we need more of that on all of these programs. Yeah, so I'm glad that, that Drew Gulak is still being given a spotlight week to week. That being said, this match was a clean loss for Gallagher and Kendrick, which surprised me. I wonder if this feud will continue. We had a few weeks of Itami and Tozawa versus Lucha House Party, so I'm hoping that this story evolves somehow because I think Gallagher and uh, Kendrick should be built to being the vicious heel team that they, they once were. Uh, speaking of vicious heels... Tony Nese apparently turning heel again. We thought he was he was he was teasing a face turn with uh, the end of his his feud with Drew Gulak, but he came out and he just murdered this poor jobber this week, uh, Keith Clayball. If that's his name, <laughs> if that is your, if that really is your name, sir. Right. Uh, yeah, well, he got murdered. Tony Nese comes out apparently is back to his heelish ways. Yep. So that's really all there is to say about that because we got to get to the main event, the two hundred five live. Oh, buddy, yes. Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali. Once again, we're going to say main event 205. Match of the week. Uh, it's that or... That or some Ciampa and Ono. Yeah, it's that or... But this one, I think, was a more well-rounded match. Ciampa Ono was just a, a just brutal, beat-up match. This was a proper wrestling match, yep. top to bottom. Well-paced, uh, fantastic moves all around, good storytelling, great count, like counters and, and false finishes. I loved this match. And they gave him almost a full 20 minutes to work, too, which was, I mean, that's a full main event segment right there. I think we looked, it was like 18 minutes when they were coming out, right? Yeah, and this was just a, a get-back match for Buddy Murphy. He yeah. lost to Mustafa Ali uh, in the tournament back a couple of weeks ago. This was uh, Buddy Murphy getting his win back, and he's going to face Cedric Alexander for the championship on May 29th, which is three weeks away. This is his way of taking out Cedric's good buddy en route to that, building some heat for that feud. I'm all in. I'm loving it so far. Cannot wait for Murphy and Alexander. Yep. I can't wait for Frankly, I'm going to say it. I can't wait for Buddy Murphy to be the cruiserweight champion. Well, I'll go ahead and it, put it, it out he there. He could be a legit one. I, or they know, could have a back and forth for a long time. Might be a little bit close to Neville. He's got a very similar persona right mm, now. Yeah. The, the kind of angry, teeth-gritted you know, heel. He's not quite as cartoony as Neville was, but that might have been how they told Neville to sell himself. Yeah. Who knows? I'm also excited for next week on 205 Live. Where, we'll, where We will be in London. All the shows will be in London. Yeah, European tour kicks off. The, the, uh, the official home of bizarro land so i'm very 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 excited to see the reactions over there i love 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 the uk crowd but they're going to be having 205 live versus the uk division of wwe so it should be really entertaining next week well ian uh, off the back of that let's head over in, uh, to japan and talk about what's going on in new yes. japan because i know we're running a little bit late here in the show but you've still got a lot to go are over. we ever running on time nick listen that's a good point but still at the end of the day <laughs> there is so much to preview here of what is coming up uh, uh in new japan we are getting into that time of the year yes. where uh, we're, we're getting the the preview we're getting super juniors we're going to get the g1 in a couple of months yes. oh man it's here it's we go we're getting all the wrestling Dontaku kind of kicks off the hot season for new japan at least especially in the couple last couple of years where they have just been gangbusters this year no different uh we talked about wrestling Dontaku the first night last week we've now seen the second night my god Will Ospreay is having the most banger year right now he is headed straight towards being like the the best Overall rest, like having some of the best matches of the year across the board and just the frequency with which he's having them. The man is having a, a balls to the wall year. He had another classic with Kushida over the junior heavyweight championship at wrestling Dontaku night two. Uh, it was a it was a nice brutal one where, you know, Osprey is legit pretty banged up. Uh, his match with Marty Skrull really messed him up. And then he went and worked WrestleMania weekend, still injured. So he's legit banged up. This whole match was Kushida basically trying to take him apart. 
and Osprey just screaming in pain for most of the time. And yet somehow it was still a wildly entertaining match with incredible moves. And anyone who says Will Osprey is just a spot monkey needs to watch this match because this is storytelling, kids. Yep. This is how it's done. But we weren't done there. No, Osprey somehow picks up the win. Kushida cannot put him away. So Osprey, once again, second time he's ever beaten Kushida. This was not a fluke. He can beat Kushida. It's done. But as he's in the ring, suffering afterwards, having barely survived this match, who should come out but Tamatanga and Bone Soldier? Now, if you don't know who Bone Soldier is, he's an he's like kind of a gimmick that failed from Bullet Club a few years ago. Um, that wrestler has been replaced. That's now a new Bone Soldier. And they revealed who that Bone Soldier was when he came to the ring and kicked the crap out of Will Ospreay. Took off his mask. None other than Taiji Ishimori who you may know from uh, all Japan. He was an X division champ on TNA. Uh, he's done. He just came out here for a little bit in PWG. The dude is jacked. The dude can wrestle his face off. I could not think of anyone better or who I'm more excited to have as bone soldier. Uh, it was also announced that Taiji and Osprey will both be in the battle of super juniors, which we'll get into in a second. I'm super psyched about that. In addition, in terms of crazy debuts, on or or returns rather on Dontaku Night Two, we had a tag match that Naito was involved in. At the end of the match, as they're leaving the ring, uh, Naito and Los Ingobernables had won the match. They're leaving the ring. Some fan jumps the barricade and jumps Naito. At first, I thought it was Naito girl because you, know, you, yeah. you can't really ever trust her, but right. it wasn't. It was some dude in a skull mask, uh, uh, like it's like I think it was like a Bullet Club skull mask. And he, uh, he runs Naito back to the ring, throws him in, starts beating the crap out of him, takes off the mask, and it's none other than Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho. Yes, the man who, uh, up till very recently, had been tweeting out that things between him and New Japan had fallen apart. Uh, I said last week... You are a prophet, sir. I said, la- bah, bah, bah. I said last week that Chris Jericho was lying and that he was absolutely still involved in this feud with Naito. They set up too much earlier in this year, and Chris Jericho is a known internet troll. He was going to come back, and that's the reason that they put the belt on Naito. Remember when we were talking about why Suzuki put the belt on Naito? Ah. Why he lost on that, on that random Road 2 show? Like, why would you have Suzuki lose this belt? Well, they have to have something Naito and Jericho to fight for. Bada boom. And the, there was the crazy thing was that Jericho got the ring bell and busted Naito open, which you never see in New Japan. Full crimson mask on Naito. Apparently, Jericho just does whatever he wants in New Japan. Like they, They're just like, we're just happy to have you. Yeah. You sell tickets. You put butts in seats. Do whatever you want. So now we officially are going to have Naito versus Jericho at Dominion coming up. And the main event of Dontaku, uh, Okada versus Tanahashi. This is the one I was looking forward to. This is the one that you should go and watch because it's the 11th time these guys have faced each other. But unlike Cena Orton, these guys get better every time they face each other, and more and more salt gets added to this feud. This was kind of the final one where Okada has now risen from being the young lion facing the ace to the old battered ace coming back against the champ who has literally been champ for 14% of his entire life. Wow. That's how long Okada has held this wow. belt. Uh, and it was another banger match. Meltzer, at this point, it's, we've, we're a week away. Meltzer has given it five and a half stars. He broke his own... A rating system to give this one extra an extra half star again definitely go check this out it's he's you know think what you will about Meltzer's rating system he's not lying this is an all-time great match fan freaking tastic okada of course 
still your champion afterwards. Well, we also now know that we're also going to get a match with Kenny Omega. Uh, that has been made official. Yes. And it has been stipulated as a best of three falls match. Oh, my God. Yes. What? For, for Dominion. So Okada's coming off of this. Everyone questioning why he's fighting uh, Tanahashi when, Okada, when Omega's still out there. Well, Omega's having the match with him. Best of three falls at Dominion. That's going to go at least 100 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's oh going to be God. the longest. That's going to be a pay-per-view. That's going to be the whole pay-per-view. That's going to be a pay-per-view of itself. Insane. Uh, yeah, other matches at Dominion that's coming up. Uh, that'll be June 9th, so about a little, over, a little less than a month away. Yeah. Uh, Evil and Sonata versus the Young Bucks for the Tag Championship. Um, the Never Open Weight's going to have a very rare three-way match. Huh. Uh, Hiroki Goto will be uh, defending against Elgin, uh, Michael Elgin and Taichi. Uh, and then we're having a three-way tag match, Kanemaru and Desperado against Rapongi 3K and Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi from Los Ingobernables. And Rey Mysterio is supposed to appear as well. That guy's everywhere these days. Is he so, just going to have a match by himself? Or uh, he, I, he might do Jushin Thunder Liger, which was they were supposed to do at Strong Style Evolved here, okay. uh, but didn't happen because Rey uh, had a, a bicep injury. Yep. So they might finally pull that off. Um, but coming up before Dominion, we've got the ba- uh, the Battle of the Super Juniors, Best of Super Juniors tournament, I should say. That starts on the 18th of May, runs through June 4th. We have the blocks set up. It's going to be amazing. I mean, pretty much every amazing lightweight uh, uh, in this is in, in the company is going to be represented. Now, admittedly, a lot of these, some, well, not a lot of us, about half of these guys I don't really have any familiarity with. So if you wouldn't mind, and I, I feel like some of our listeners may uh, have that same kind of feeling, especially if they're not super invested well, in I can, New I Japan. Can, I, can, I can narrow it down because, as you say, we are running late. Yeah. Uh, I can narrow this down to who you need to care about in each block. Okay. Okay, so we've got we've got two blocks. Everyone faces each other, and then the champions, you know, the, right. the, the, the people who win each block face each other. In A block, the ones you need to keep an eye on, Flip Gordon, Taiji Ishimori, Will Ospreay. Those are the ones you need to keep your eye on. You've also got guys like Kanemaru and, and Yo from Show and Yo from Rapongi 3K, right. Bushi, but I think they're there as filler. I think those guys are the ones you need to watch. Uh, B block, they're, they're listing Dragon Lee as being in this. I think he just injured his, his leg in Mexico, so I don't know if he's going to be wrestling injured or if that wasn't that serious of an injury, but who knows? The... Um, He's always one to watch in these. He'll usually go deep, but uh, Hiromu Takahashi, Kushida, and Marty Skrull are obviously the ones you want to watch yeah. in B block. Right now, I'm kind of calling an Ishimori versus Takahashi in the final, but it could easily be Skrull or Dragon Lee or Kushida. But I think Ishimori is going all the way in A block. He's going to run over Will Ospreay, get himself by beating him by beating Will Ospreay. He'll get himself a title match down the road. It was the so, whole point of him coming out as Bone Soldier um, and, at uh, Dantaku, right? Exactly, yeah. and getting in, in, in Osprey's face. So yeah. I think that's what they're setting up there. Uh, I'm. I'm so excited about all of this, and I'm excited to announce I will be going to the G1 special at the Cow Palace in San Francisco on July 7th. So I will be reporting back from that event, which doesn't have a card yet because they've obviously got a bunch of shows between now and then. Yes. But is guaranteed to be an enormous card. They're trying to fill a 10,000-person arena. Uh, They're going to have some big big matches there i'm hoping to go to the beach so i will not be joining you unfortunately but uh we'll see i'm looking forward to anything well, that's coming out in the cow palace is a legendary venue for, sure for wrestling events so, yes it is uh the fact that they're having it there is very very exciting 
we'll have some uh, some road reporting work for you to do. Yes, indeed. I'm gonna have a lot of fun up there. If you guys are gonna be there, let me know, and I'll I'll say hey when I'm uh, when we're up there together. Absolutely. Uh, moving on quickly, we're gonna talk about Ring of Honor War of the Worlds, which is going on right now. Also, kind of new Japanish because it's a crossover event. Uh, the first night was last night. It wasn't didn't blow my brain. We uh we had uh, we had a couple of good matches. The the big news was that uh the Kingdom defeated SoCal uncensored to pick to pick up these six man tag belts tonight however looks a little bit better you got jay white uh switchblade jay white from new japan will be defending his uh, new japan u.s title against punishment martinez i think that might be uh the sleeper match of all of this hmm. cody okay. will be facing off against jushin thunder liger that should be a good match um that should well it's just going to be another notch in cody's belt he, he faced off a legend like Jushin huh, uh, okay. Naito. This is another really good match. I think Naito versus beer city bruiser uh, beer city bruiser bruiser is one of those guys you look at. You're like, who the hell is this dude? And then he starts wrestling and you get blown away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think that's going to be a fantastic match. And then the ring of honor TV title uh, will be defended. Silas young versus hangman page. I think page should win this one. Um, I think they need some more gold in the bullet club right now. Yeah. I'm not big on Silas young holding the TV title. So, Hopefully, Hangman Page will pick that one up. Well, guys, uh, to close the show out here, we've got some, we're, well, I guess we call it the other news, the little lightning round we usually do. Um, Lucha Underground Season 4 trailer dropped, and oh, my God. Uh, oh, my God. My soul is ready. What? Yes. That looks amazing. It does. We have a lot of it. So people were speculating about what talent would be back. Based on this trailer, we can tell you uh, these are the people that we saw in this trailer, and it's a, it's a list. We got Aerostar, we have the Rabbit Tribe, Johnny Mundo, Taya, Drago, Mediposa is back, Cobra Moon was slinking around, Brian Cage does not have his gauntlet anymore and he's mad about it, King Cuerno, uh, Phoenix, Penta of course, Penta L0M, Pentagon Dark, he is there, Mil Muerte is back with Katrina, Ivalice is back and yes. looking like a, a Mortal Kombat character, Matanza, looks like he gets unleashed again, uh, Vibora, uh, is there? That's a guy who I think you'll probably be seeing a lot more of this season because I mean he's he's huge and great. Uh, Daga, you'll probably be seeing a lot more of this season uh, now that he's got his passport issues cleared up. Ricky Mandel, Killshot, The Mac, our boy Joey Ryan, Marty the Moth, Son of Havoc, Dante Fox, Officer Reyes, PJ Black, Dragon Azteca, and Sammy Callahan, aka Hello. Jeremiah Crane, will be doing some more work as well as of course. The producer himself, Chavo Guerrero. Guerrero yeah. um, some new talent we saw in this. Now, obviously, we, you and I went to an event, so yes. we know some stuff that we can't really talk Dude, about still. Well, we are under embargo still. Until when? Well, well Until we, it airs? We can tell them what we saw in the trailer. Oh, okay. We just, there's certain information that we know outside of the trailer we can't reveal. For example, Tommy Dreamer. Yes. Was in the trailer. Yes. Uh, that's awesome. Chelsea Green, Sammy Guevara, the, the little Latino Justin Bieber from PWG yep. uh, is in this. And here's one that we were, we've been sitting on for months. Jack Swagger is now in Lucha Underground. We found where he ended up. Yes. You saw him. We, this we, is not the place that you have a big, you know, big, burly WWE style athlete. What are you talking? Tell that to Big Rick. Tell that to Vibora. It's uh, absolutely. You have okay, some big fine. guys in this. He's going he's gonna to have a great place. We saw him wrestle. We couldn't talk about it. We can't tell you what his name will be in Lucha Underground, even though we know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, he's he's going to be, from what we saw, the character is going to be a lot of fun in this. They're going to yes. do a pretty good job of actually making him the kind of killer he should have been 
in WWE. Not, uh, none of this, no more We the People stuff. He still kind of does that. I think the crowd was doing it, but he wasn't doing he it. He did a little bit. <laughs> well, we, we can neither confirm nor deny that he's still doing it. Yes, correct. Uh, correct. That being said, it does look now like Antonio Cueto will be the new authority figure. Wait, who? Uh, it's basically it's it's the, the actor who played Dario Cueto in a horrible wig and glasses, <laughs> but as he's playing his father. Anyway, Y'all will see what we're talking about. It's coming. Watch it's that trailer. Coming out June 13th will be the beginning of the new season. And stay tuned here for some more Lucha Underground news. We will be definitely keeping a very close eye on things going on on the El Rey network. Yes. Uh, something else we got to touch on real quick. Uh, Super Strong Style 16 happened over in the UK. Um, that should be on demand within the week. If you don't want to know spoilers, skip ahead about a minute or two here because I'm going to really quickly tell you what happened. Okay, if you haven't skipped ahead by now, here come the spoilers. Zack Sabre Jr. wins by defeating Cassius Ono in the finals. His victory speech was two words. Wembley, in it? (laughs) Yep. Zack Sabre Jr. just beat everybody else. He uh, had a pretty crazy route to get there. He beat Keith Lee. Oh, our boy, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's better than him just giving the finger to the crowd and walking backstage. I think he did that too. Oh, but, probably, uh, okay. Again, I haven't watched it on demand. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just reporting. Uh, he beat Keith Lee, David Starr, and Chuck Mambo to get there. Cassius Ono had an interesting way to get there. He beat Chris Brooks in a surprising first round, but then he lost to Tyler Bate. But huh. Tyler Bate injured his uh, injured himself. He injured his shoulder, I believe. And then Ono had to win like a multi-man scramble match and then beat Zach Gibson to get to the finals. So all very exciting. Some really hard-hitting matches. I can't wait to see this when it comes out on demand. Tyler Bates is the week. size of one of Cassius Ono's thighs. Like, how did he beat Cassius Ono? Yeah, but but that being said, Tyler Bates' thighs are the size of my chest. That's so, fair. Fair you know, point. He's, he's, he's pretty good. And, and obviously, they probably work together a lot at the uh, Performance Center. Yep. So can't wait to see Str- Super Strong Style 16. Keep your eyes out for that. Uh, real quick, an injury rundown. We have to talk about this. Charlotte Flair uh, ruptured at one of her breast implants. Apparently, she ruptured it before WrestleMania. Oh, really? She, yeah, it's been. She's been working with it for a while now. Oh, um, but because uh, apparently it wasn't so severe that she had to go to get it fixed right away, and okay. she didn't want to blow off her match against Oscar. Uh, and she's apparently she's booked for Money in the Bank. You know, she's supposed to be six weeks to recover, though. She's supposed to be at Money in the Bank. She just had surgery, uh, I believe, after SmackDown this week. Yeah. So she's gonna. We'll probably won't see her for a little while. We know she's gonna be in the Money in the Bank match. She probably won't have any physicality between now and then, just to heal. But uh, so that happened. But she will be missing the Euro Tour this tour this week. On uh, other injury news, Rosemary from TNA tore her ACL, mm. which is bad. Six to nine months she'll be out. Yeah, and she missed a lot of tapings. She was on a streak right now in TNA. TNA is on the upswing as well. So bad, bad timing for Rosemary. She's one of the more interesting female characters on that show. So that. Really sucks for her. Yes, uh, Brandy Rhodes, aka Cody's significant wife, uh, significant wife, significant other slash wife. She was wrestling in Japan with a, apparently a broken clavicle. Ow! Which sucks, Ow. man. You can't. I mean, I don't know how she wrestled three freaking matches in Japan before getting this looked at and fixed. But uh, props to her for pulling through that. Kidding. And then this was another sad one. Tino Sabatelli, recently of Sabatelli and Moss in NXT, he uh, he tore his pectoral muscle, uh, apparently just you know on a random move versus Velveteen Dream. Uh, Velveteen gave him a drop kick, I believe, and just something happened to his pec. One of those, wow. One of those just, you know, who knows how injuries. Drew McIntyre's bicep just popping. You but know, that's, same another, thing. that's another six to nine month healing, and he's, I believe, 34. I mean, that's bad, <sighs> bad, bad timing for him, so... 
Uh, get well quick, Tino. Please, yes. you're you're a fantastic greasy heel, you son of a bitch, you. <laughs> well, in some more somber news, uh, this week saw the passing of Nick Big Bully Busick. Uh, passed away. You, you may remember from uh, WWE in 1991. Yes. 1991. Back in the gimmick era, he came out as a 1920s brawler with the big old bushy mustache and the cigar and popping kids balloons. And uh, yeah, I, I, I never I can't say that I remember him that well, but his gimmick certainly was a, a very cool looking gimmick. And he seems like a decent dude. He was having some health issues towards the end there. Lots yeah. of lots of cancer and 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 breathing issues so I, I have vague memories of him but nothing that is you know any rick flair was pretty much running the world during that time <laughs> for you so yes out for in Carolina, me yeah, yeah. so it, it's very hard to see beyond that and you know the other staples that were in the late 80s and it, you know it's the four horsemen or nothing else pretty much for you yeah yeah well, i was watching wwe and i, I vaguely vaguely remember him because he was wrestling like bret hart and guys like sure. that like yeah. he was he was pretty far up on the card he was beating a lot of jobbers so i do vaguely remember him but at the same time it's always sad when uh, a wrestler passes away uh, another sad news uh, i guess uh, this is just bizarre news recently obviously we had the greatest royal rumble in saudi arabia well it's being reported that a, a gentleman by the name of sheikh Badr bin al uh, i'm gonna get this wrong sheikh Badr bin ali al Taibi was uh, arrested for being critical of wrestling uh, I, this is just a, a reporting so from. You're a not tweet. allowed to have opinions now. You're apparently. not. No, it's Saudi Arabia. They're being okay. progressive, Nick. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, WWE is helping to spearhead the progressive movement in Saudi Arabia. But if you criticize them, uh, spearheading that movement, go to jail. Right. Uh, just and, wanted to to make note of that. And if you're still with us, I saved the very best one for last. Oh yeah, this is for you, buddy. This is all for me. I'll let you do this. Tony Storm is, is going to be working the European tour. For the WWE. I want you guys to think about that for a minute. After WrestleMania, after Access. I know you've been thinking about it. Oh, man. I am. It's Tony time. <laughs> I have not been. That's her thing. It's hashtag Tony time. It's time for Tony uh. to get into the WWE. Last year at the May Young Classic, she was my pick to run the board and just win it all. Uh. Uh, it, I still think they should have done that. But she has had arguably one of the best years of, of wrestling, especially oh, on the uh, women's uh, side around the world. Independent circuit. She's got like five mm. belts right now. And the fact that she's participated in access for, uh, for WWE at WrestleMania and is now going to be part of the European tour with some UK dates. Uh, what is it, next week? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, it could indicate she could be finally be coming to WWE. Uh, it could just be that she's keeping her close ties, which she's had ever since the Mae Young Classic yep. with WWE. It could be she still has a lot of uh, stuff to do around the world. Like you said, she's got a lot of places un- under her finger right now, whether it's progress or stardom. Or, you know, she's, she's doing a lot of stuff. She could be trying to build up her prestige so that she can come into WWE at a higher level. Yep. Uh, which I think would be a really, really smart business decision. And whether no that's, NXT for her, no nothing. She needs no, to come straight gonna, to the main she's roster. She's going to go to NXT. Oh, come on. No. You know she will. No, she's good enough. She's good enough. <laughs> well, guys, next week, uh, WWE is going to be in London. and They're going to be in Bizarro land. Uh, <laughs> Booker T is going to be back. Yes. Uh, that's why. Because it's because Coach is not going to go over with them. Coach is going to stay here and, and talk about... not work. Talk Visa to him, not work or he's something. He's going to sit in a dark room and talk to himself about football puns and, and figure out All what right. one word he's going to use for an entire hour Fine. on Monday Night Raw. I'm so happy to have Booker back. Like he's not Look, he's not the greatest commentator of all time, but he's insane. He's fun. He's entertaining. All of the things that Coach is not. 
Welcome back, Booker T. Corey Graves, Tom Phillips, Byron Saxon, full-time, both shows done. You got me. Uh, guys, that's our show for this week. Uh, thank you very much for hanging in there. So much went down this week, but we've got so much more to look forward to as we build towards money in the bank, as we build toward the best of Super Juniors, as we build towards Lucha Underground Season 4. My goodness. Oh, my God, it's so much wrestling. Woo. I love it. This is awesome. I can't wait to get into more of this stuff with you guys. Head over and hang out with us on the Facebook group, uh, the Busted Wide Open Discussion Group. You can also follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. And, hey, if you like what we do, head over to patreon.com forward slash BWO, throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar for us or sign up to do your very own shoot promo right here on the show with myself and Ian. And also make sure next Monday to check out our show. Uh, it'll be Monday or Tuesday, depending. We have got some negotiations going on. We'll talk about another time. Uh, but we are going to be putting out our one year anniversary show. Yeah! We're going to be doing a show strictly to kind of to celebrate everyone who has come on board with us, uh, all the fans, all the listeners that we have of the show right now, to thank everybody for, for tuning in and checking out our show and sticking with us, and also to run down what the plan is for year two. We Phase have a, two. We have a lot of big things in the works for this show, and that show will be the one where we run down what those are. Yes. Uh, at, at a quick glance, I can tell you, it's a lot more audience interaction. It's a lot more visual aspects to the show beyond just hearing our beautiful dulcet tones on your podcast. You get to see our faces, if you will. Yeah, so that's if that's a, a nice tease for it, come and check out that show. It should just be like an, a, a nice quick one that we have put out early next week and, uh, and check up on what we have planned for you going forward. In the meantime, make sure you take that podcast app of choice, hold it in your hand, and look for that subscribe button. Look for that share button. Share it with whoever you want, whoever you think might like it, even people you think might not like it. Maybe you'll create a new fan out of them. And make sure you hit the the the, uh, the five-star rating button if there is one of those, and leave us a review. Reviews are great for us to be able to tell what we could be doing better about the show, what you like about the show, and we that way we can gear the show to be better for all of the people that are tuning in and listening. If you want to pick up some swag to let everybody know that we are your favorite podcast, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash store, grab a t-shirt, hoodie, Phone case, coffee mug, sticker, you name it, we got it available. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.